1: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
2: Mike Stevens on. He's finally joined us.
0: Look at me. I'm here.
2: He's back. And he's back for a very good reason because this was one of the most remarkable nights in the history of this franchise, certainly of our lives. The Maple Leafs have a three-goal comeback to call their own. I cannot believe that you're not like drenched in sweat and just, you know, running around in circles in that new condo of yours and just, you know, that you're actually sitting down. I think that's just a win right there.
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. This was, I, I've never experienced an emotion change, I think in a game since like this, since maybe 2013. Like it this was, I went from being like trade everybody, this team, like this, this team is, is flawed, it's rotten, it's broken. You know, anyone not named Austin Matthews, you know, any it should not be kind of bolted down here to, you know, I'm going to live forever, um, you know, like uh, where, you know, life is great um, and this team is going to win the Stanley Cup. But this is what, – what, the thing as well that really kind of came to my mind was the parallels between what the Leafs just did and what kind of spurred the, the Washington Capitals to, to do what they did when they were in uh, – uh, when they won their Cup. Uh, in that, you know, it was, they, they were the favorite in a series against the Columbus Blue Jackets and they were down and then Columbus blew a lead. And then there was sort of, there was a goal with foot related, um, uh, I guess, sort of circumstances and over time, and it kind of spurred them, them forward. So this is, this is just about as, as, as remarkable, like you said, and and as, as impressive um, a win, at least when it comes to an emotional standpoint, because I think that, you know, uh, like uh, you know, like they did last night. You know, they would have folded, but this is a Leafs team that, you know, they just really, really pulled it together when it mattered, and it was remarkable. I, I'm, I'm stunned by what, what I just saw.
2: Okay, you mentioned the emotional roller coaster. Everybody was going through that. Obviously, you're not. You were going through it. I was going through it. Everyone here on the media side, everyone on the fan side was going through it. So we all have receipts, unless you went out there and deleted your tweets. We all have mm-hmm. our negative thoughts towards this team. <laughs> that are just in a perfect time, like you could go to anyone's timeline, that's a Leaf fan, unless mm-hmm. they're cowards and deleted them. Yeah, You could go to their timeline and just follow it perfectly because there, there was deserved negativity right away. And like, you know, we're talking about not just this game, not just this series, not the playoffs, not, you know, the key era. We're talking about the entire year here of what went wrong and ready to just pile on this team for an abysmal effort up until, I guess there was three, three minutes, 30 seconds left, something like that. Mm-hmm. So you have the perfect timeline unless you went ahead and deleted those tweets. So I hope you kept your receipts, Mike. Uh,
0: I, I kept them all. Like you, I, I, I would, the thing, the thing about hockey, especially with the Toronto Maple Leafs, is I want to be proven right. I want like just, you know, in terms of, in terms of the success of this show, uh, in terms of this, you know, the success of, of all the fans in the city, I want to be proven right. And this was, the Leafs did something that they so rarely do. And, or sorry, proven wrong. Not proven right. That's what
2: I was gonna say. I was like, I was definitely no, proven wrong tonight. I, I was I, definitely I, proven wrong.
0: sorry, my brain is moving at like fifty miles an hour right now, which isn't that far, that fast. But when it comes to how fast my brain usually works, that's that's light speed. Like but no, Pierre, like,
2: du, Pierre Luke Dubois fast.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um. And he's he's ridiculous. But no, like I want to be. I want to be proven wrong. And the Leafs did something that they very rarely do, and they proved they they proved everyone wrong. I was. Like I was sitting here watching with a friend, and I was gonna, and I was thinking, you know, I literally said, like, why are we even still watching this? We know the outcome. We know what's gonna happen. We know that that you know, like, there's eight minutes left here, and they're down three nothing, and they they're not showing any signs of life. I'm like, what's the point? Like, we're not even like, it's like watching a bad movie that you know the ending to. Like, why even waste your time? We only have a finite amount of hours on this earth. Like, whatever. And then they did what they did. It wasn't even like. It, the fact that it's, it was a three goal lead that they came back from in the playoffs, you know, on, on as the quote unquote, I know it's on home ice. But that's the quote unquote away team as well. Like, it's just perfect. It's just. It's incredible. Like, I can't I can't believe that this happened. Like, I, this was the, the last thing I would have expected. And for once in the playoffs specifically, but for once, you know, I, I believe that it was a trip on Morgan Riley for sure. You tweeted that it was a dangerous play for sure. Mike 100% Marita. a trip. 100%. Mike Milbury doesn't agree with you, by the way. So, on well, that, Mike, but...
2: Mil- Mike Milbury also thought that Jake Muzzin was faking yes. uh, his injury in game two. So, his opinion pretty much uh, not worth our consideration. And he finally was brought up on this podcast. And I thought we agreed that we never would. Oh, did we? I just I, made that. I'm... I just made that up. But he doesn't okay. deserve any airtime. We only have a limited amount of time
1: yes, we here do. because before we're going thirty minutes out, on the Leafs
2: nice. live on YouTube mm-hmm. before I get kicked out. Then we're gonna do a couple other things uh, later, just for the back end of the podcast. So we got to get into it. Yes. Let's get in. I guess we got to start at the end, which was the three goal comeback. I guess I'll ask you what was the most, what what is the thing that you're gonna remember? I suppose from let's just say the the process of tying the game.
0: Um, well. It was well. A, it was Jason Spetz's fight. I think. Like, I'm. I'm very okay. much. I'm very much not a. Uh, you know, like you need pugnacity and toughness to win. It, it, but, but but when like, like you tweeted out and I tweeted out in a much less eloquent fashion. Um, basically, when Jason Spetz is fighting, you need to get you need to get it together. Like it, the fact that he was and Keep had that money quote where he's like, he's a guy who like was literally not going to go down without a fight. He did not want to see like that. That is what you bring a guy like Jason Spezza and not, not say, not so much to fight, but like, he's a, he's a veteran guy who knows, like he wants to play next season, but who knows if he will, like there's, there's a lot of you know, things up in the air. We don't know when the season's going to start next year. There's a lot of things up in the air. This could have been theoretically his last kick at the camp and he's going to, he's going to go out like this. There's no way, there's no way he's letting that happen. So he literally, like he, he literally punched his way in, in, into this game and, what kind of message that sends to that young bench of the Leafs? Like what kind of message that sends to these guys who, you know, are, are, you know, they're in the doldrums, the Leafs really getting their feelings when they're down and you have your, you know, 37 year old, you know, happy go lucky guy coming out and like just trying to, you know, dummy some guy in front of the net, sticking up for you, sticking up for your bench that that's incredibly inspiring. And that's one of those moments in hockey and sports where, you know, the, the, the intangibles kind of come into play as much as, you know, we, we like to, to focus on, on that as well. Number two. And, and again, this is not a, like a, a X's and O's kind of thing, but Zach Hyman's yell after he scored the tying goal is some without the fans in, in the building, you could hear the, the, just the, the pure screech that'll stick with me for a while. This guy is, you know, hometown, hometown kid. Um, you know, he, he probably dreamed about scoring a goal like that, you know, a, a, as a kid. And he did. And it's, He's been pretty quiet in this series, but there are a lot of players I would I would consider him, you know, a staple of the top six and after being quiet all all series and all game really there are there are a lot of of these top six staples that really kind of showed up when the chips were down and, and you know the Leafs have lived to fight another day.
2: I'm glad you mentioned Spezza. Uh, I think Sheldon Keefe wanted to write everybody's story or at least contribute to everybody's story because he just, you know, he dropped the money quote, as you mentioned. He said, Jason Spezza just did not want our season to end today. He was very complimentary of Spezza and deservedly so. Although I, I tweeted, and you mentioned my tweet, I said it was absolutely embarrassing that this game reached the point where Jason Spezza thought he had to fight. This is a, I'm not sure how old he is, 35 or around there, 36-year-old. 36-year-old, 37-year-old, who's got four daughters at home. He's, you know, he's away from his kids. Obviously, in the bubble, we've talked about the human factor with Jake Muzzin. Like, this isn't a guy, that isn't something he should have to do. And I don't think that fight did anything. But I give him credit for doing it. What I, what I really enjoyed, and, and if that, and if the Leafs just whimpered away like they were, and looked like they were going to do, that would be the thing that we'd all hang our hats on when we're, you know, pounding at this team and saying, what an absolute absolutely embarrassing effort that this guy did that and you didn't do anything to respond. Of course, they finally did respond. I don't think anything had anything to do with each other, but I think his main contribution in the comeback was the fact that it was the fourth line that went out there between the two ships of the $40 million guys who scored all the goals. Obviously they combined for those three goals, but when Sheldon Keith needed to keep the momentum to preserve what the Maple Leafs had going forward, he, he went with the fourth line with Jason Spezza, Kyle Clifford and Pierre Engvall just to get them back. To those six guys who eventually tied the game, so Jason Spezza's biggest contribution. A lot of people will look at the fight. I think the fight was BS and stupid and shouldn't have happened. <laughs> but his his role
1: in okay. getting
2: the Leafs to the finish line was uh, was very apparent, and and Jason Spezza deserves all the credit in the world for his game. And I think everybody wants to play for Spezza even more. Uh, I probably because of that fight. I'll I'll, I'll admit that. But Jason Spezza uh, already to this team, but I think tonight. Another step towards uh, these guys rallying around, want to see win, who they want to see succeed. I think that was it's obviously the major storyline. Keith pointed it to being the major storyline, but you're right. Jason Spezza is central figure. No, for world. sure. Like he's,
0: like he. I've been watching a lot of uh, a lot of Modern Family lately, and Jason Spezza has major Phil Dunphy vibes, and. If, and, and if Phil Dunphy just dropped the gloves and started, you know, Donnie Brooke and some guy in the driveway, uh, you know, th- that, that would matter a lot more than, you know, a more rambunctious character trying to fight someone. And the fact that, you know, he, him and his dad energy, the guy basically wears a sweater vest on the ice, you know, in terms of, of, of the dad energy, um, for, him, for him to show that kind of emotion in that moment, um, that really mattered. But I, I, again yeah, I was really surprised at, because in, in overtime specifically, it, it did feel like, it did feel like Austin Matthews was on the ice the entire time. And the only time he wasn't, it was the fourth line. Like I was surprised at how much play they got in overtime as well. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me to maybe, maybe they barely played, but, but when, but that kind of shows as well that when they were on the ice, they were making things happen. How did we ever have a series in which Pierre Engvall was sitting in the press box while Frederic Gauthier was on the, um, was on the ice? I, I, like, I don't get it. He's, the f- adding a guy like that to the fourth line you at least have like it it just has so much more it's someone who does something and and tonight that was so apparent when the margins were so thin having a fourth line with a guy with the skill level of, of engball who can you know drive play to some degree who can set people up to some degree who can make a who can move the needle in one direction either way um I think that that was that was really important and and having that fourth line be a little physical like Spetsa was obviously physical Kyle Clifford you know murdered someone last night and then also uh you know was was throwing the body a bit today and, and even Engvall was, was getting into it I think that 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 was really important and if you know if we're going to talk about things other than you know the elephant in the room which is Austin Matthews and guys like that um I think the fourth line was really really important
2: well, I think we got to talk about all the lines because there was obviously mm-hmm. uh, the blender was out in full force for Sheldon Keith in this game. And it started before the game with Nick Robertson being promoted to Tavares and Nylander's line, McKay dropping to the third line. Then they went for the full nuclear option in overtime with Tavares, Matthews and Marner playing on the same line and Nylander at center. Mm-hmm. Now, I think I've I've been a little critical of Keith in how quickly he's been changing Things around and and I and I know that we'd be all over a coach for not doing his lineup and just going down with uh, you know going down on his own sword because it's a short series and he doesn't change anything and and clearly I'm talking about Mike Babcock who probably wouldn't change a single thing. Now I thought I I think at times Keith has been doing too much, but what he did in this game was recognize which lines were working, which forwards were working, and he just pounded them together. He created the you know the nuclear line, which is the obvious you know, choice. If you're going to stack your line, it's your 10, it's your three uh, players that make close to ten, ten million 10 million or eight figures each. Uh, and obviously that's going to be a weapon. That is a weapon he has at his disposal, but he just basically cut the fat from his lineup. He went with that line. He went with his fourth line and he sprinkled in some knee lander. And there was a little bit of Robertson, a little bit of and a little bit of Kerr Those three, I thought struggled a lot. They did. Um, but what is, I guess, where we can kind of tie up this conversation is, what are they going to do in game five now that we've tried pretty much everything from a combination standpoint? Yeah, I think Engvall's in for Gauthier and that fourth line is pretty set. But what else are they, they going to do? How are they going to come back uh, and try to follow up this exhilarating win, as Hyman said, uh, with a, a series clinching victory? How do you think the line is going to shake up or the lineup is going to shake up uh, when they come back to this ice in, on Sunday night, I don't think much is going to change, really.
0: Uh, you know, I think because what this what this win kind of did was show that they have the ability to put that nuclear option together and to and to to rework it on the fly if they're in a dire situation like that. Um,
2: okay, so do you start with the nuclear line or do you go I think to the you, nuclear line?
0: I think you, like, you never start a battle with your nuclear option. There's a reason why the nuclear option is called nuclear option. I think that they, I think that they start with, like, I think that that, that line is, is at its best when it is a break glass when, like, if emergency kind of line. Mm-hmm. Like, you, they really, they were up against the ropes. Their season was, what, three minutes and I think it was, what, three minutes and 27 seconds or something or 34 seconds or something away from, from being over. Something like that. And they, they so that is that is as big of an emergency as you can possibly get, and so they did. They broke the glass in the sense of emergency, and it worked, and it worked in spectacular fashion. Um, so yeah, no, it was, yeah. I think I think you go with that. I think Robertson was really good tonight. I I don't think he made. I don't think he did a like. He did a lot, but I think he was just making plays. He did a lot. I was really looking for Robertson away from the puck because he does things with the puck, but I was looking for young, I always look at young players kind of away from the puck and what they do when they don't, when they're not kind of the the focal point. And he was making a lot of really good plays away from the puck. I think you keep him in the top six. Um, And I think you also trust that that, you know, you kind of trust that 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 the guys like Kerfoot and Kapanen can kind of. This was an anomaly because they've they've had a good series so far. Both these guys, even though you know maybe the production hasn't been there. I've been really impressed with Kerfoot, where he went from a guy who I'm like, yeah, trade him, whatever. To no, I think they like, definitely try and keep him. Like I I, I think that you kind of trust that they can put it together. And worst case scenario, you bump Robertson back down. You kind of mix and match. So. um that's what, that's what, that's the beauty of having a deep forward core. You can, you, there are a lot of, a lot of different options. It's, it's, you know, it's like a patchwork quilt, you know, and you, you can sew, sew and make it, you know, any, any ensemble you want. So it's, yeah, it, that was a terrible analogy, but at, at the end of the day, it's, uh, at the, you know, you know what I was talking about. Like at the end of the day, it, it, you know, they, the Leafs have options and I think that they don't change too much. Maybe they, maybe they switch up those second and third lines, but I, I look, they at the end when when late in the game they're not going to be rolling their lines they're going to be going the nuclear option no matter what they're going to be they're going to be you know rolling out all of their all you all their cash really that's on their lineup they're going to be rolling out there so it doesn't really matter what they start the game with because you know they're not going to finish it that way um and yeah it it worked tonight it can they've proven that it can work in the future
2: i tend to agree with you i think they will go back to I think they will go back probably not to the lineup they started with tonight, but probably the lineup that got them that game two victory with everything kind of shook up a little bit. I don't think Robertson will be playing in the top six is I guess what I'm trying to say. And I think they have to do that because you might risk not alienating guys, but maybe sort of pushing a couple guys far too down the lineup where at where they're at the point where they're not involved anymore. I think we didn't see much of, I mean, maybe they just weren't standing out just as much, but obviously when the fourth line is, it seems like it's playing just as much as that third line. I think they're reducing their minutes for sure. So I think you need Kerfoot, and Robertson to be a factor if you're going to win this series. You're not going to win this series with two lines, one being the fourth and one being the first. I think you need everybody on board if you're going to get this game five victory. And that means that that third line has to be what it was in the first two games, which was impactful impactful with Robertson being a threat to score. Kerfoot doing it all. Uh, in three zones and Kapanen obviously being that guy who can cause havoc and, and create problems for the defense with his speed so I think you need to get everybody on board but I would be tempted to go with the nuclear line because I like think right there might the be somewhat right off the hop mm. because I think there would be some I don't want to call it intimidation because that's the wrong word I don't think they're going to be scared of this 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 top forward line for the Maple Leafs but I think I think you, you, you present it as that. You present it as, okay, now we're giving you our best punch, and how are you going to deal with it because we've got these three players playing together. I wouldn't be surprised because William Nylander can hold his own. And with McKay, and Hyman, I don't think there's going to be too many – I don't want to say that Nylander is a defensive liability, but I don't think – With those two, I think you're going to be able to drive play with one really talented forward and two guys that are just constantly pressing the puck up the ice and in the right direction. So Mm -hmm. I think they can send a message by starting though. Maybe you just start them right off the hop. Maybe it's a couple shifts and then you go back. Because if I'm the Columbus Blue Jackets and I just saw what they – those three players, mostly just those three, but me was obviously involved as well. But those three guys did to me in such short order. I might be a little bit on my heels. And, and Zach Wierenski left this game. I believe it was in the third period. Maybe it was in overtime. It was definitely late. He didn't come back for overtime. He was so it was in the third period. It was late in the third period. I mean, all of a sudden, you're thinking, okay, we're out, we're, we've lost one half of our best, our dominant top pairing. And we've got these three guys, these three monsters steaming down us right off the hop. Did to go back to that top line because, uh, because of that momentum factor? And just the, the obvious fact, that they're, they, can, they can be that dangerous and William Nylander can hold his own as well. And I think you like that third line too, even though they changed it up, they were promoting Robertson. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't about a problem there. They were promoting Robertson to start this game. I think you can still have confidence in that third line. And then they have all the confidence in the world apparently now in that fourth line because they played so much or it seemed they played so much and in, in big spots. So I'm going with the nuclear option right up the hop. I like that. I think that that's you know
0: i i think there's definitely merit to that like the thing is is that Columbus should be worried like this th- th- what the leafs did last last night was you know completely embarrassing obviously and and you know blowing a three nothing lead in, in a period Columbus blew a three nothing lead in less than 4 minutes this in a playoff game that they could have they if the leafs had done what Columbus did you know there would be riots in the streets it would be crazy so they are definitely, there's no way that a hockey team can shrug that off in short order. There's no way. So if you, so think about they're on their heels and then you, and then you brought out Marner Matthews to to start the next game. It's there that I, I like that idea. I think I, you know, the more that I think about it, the more I think that's kind of just like a big middle finger. And, and at the end of the day, if you're going to go out, you might as well go out flipping the bird. So. That's what they're doing and it, uh, that's what they should do. Sorry, at least if, if they do that. And yeah, I, I'm on board with that. You convinced me.
2: So I thought we'd end this half of the podcast. We're not there yet, but I thought we'd end it with our most embarrassing or worst or, you know, our old takes exposed tweet of the night. Oh, yeah. I think I already, ha- I might already have yours because you oh, went really? after Freddie Anderson pretty early. Oh, I don't know yeah. exactly what it was, two goals on 14 shots or something like that. I bet I, I knew we, we were gonna throw down the gauntlet after that he because- He was not
0: good. In this game, he wasn't. like He was pretty
2: good. He was pretty good in this game by the end of the game. What?
0: Okay, by the end of the
2: game. He had no chance on the first. I mean, Justin Hall caught in no man's land, two on one with Martin Marincin trying to prevent the pass. He does not prevent the pass. It actually gets slowed up perfectly so that Cam Atkinson can bang it in. No chance on that one. Second one deflected. That's when you said that. that, That's a fair tweet. That was not a great goal. There was a deflection. Should have had it. Oh, you admit that
0: Anderson has uh, flaws? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I
2: do. I do admit that.
0: This is Uh, third.
2: What happened on the third goal? You you pick me up here.
0: Um.
2: Oh man, this this. Pick me up like the Leafs for Morgan Riley. Who? Oh yeah, that's exactly what happened. Morgan Riley gave it away, and Nick Foligno or not Nick Foligno. Boone Jenner scored on a break So it was. was I mean, I, I. Yes, this wasn't Anderson's best game. I think he ended up making, he definitely made 30 plus saves in this game, but he's been he brilliant in this series. I think we would agree on that. Wouldn't we?
0: Yeah. You know, he was really good in game one, obviously. I think he was fine to, to lackluster in last night's game. And I think that, that for the first, I think through, you know, like four, four fifths of this game, he was the second best goalie on the ice. Like, it's – how many – I – up until, you know, I would say up until, like, Corpusalo got yanked, he was the second-best goalie in the series. And even, you know, like, up until they, they came back, he was the second-best goalie in the series. Like, it's – the Leafs can't keep going on with, with a guy like this. He needs to steal a game. And I don't think Frederick Anderson has stolen a game yet. He clearly hasn't because Leafs, you know, they've – you know, the, he, he just hasn't yet. So, I think that, that – that he – I think that there's
2: another... I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to underscore your point by saying he's been the third best goalie of this series, perhaps, because yeah. both Corpus Allo and Merzlikens have been better at, at him, certainly moments. Both of them had five or, or, yeah five total periods where they didn't give up uh, a goal. Corpus Allo got late into the second period, shutout streak, into game two, so I guess he gave it up with a five. And then Merzlikens, right at the end of this game, obviously gave up three, so... The, the Columbus Blue, Blue Jackets have had two goalies go four-plus periods straight without giving up a goal in the middle of a, what, a series that has only been four games. And somehow the Leafs have done enough scoring to have, uh, to, to have it tied and going to game five. It's, it's incredible that Tortorella has the option to go to two different goaltenders who can play that well for so long. And, and, and you know, there's no regret. There's no second-guessing this. These are just two goaltenders who are relatively even, and he can just ride the hot hand as is. Uh, I don't want to slam Roslikens for, you know, it, you know, coughing up the lead. I don't think the first goal was necessarily too bad. Tavares' shot was awesome. Hyman goal, probably not great. There was a lot of traffic there. But uh, these, both of them, I think they made 55-plus saves to start their 10 years in, in this series. Uh, it's pretty remarkable what they have. And you're right. Anderson hasn't been quite that yet, but he's done everything – I think, to get to them to this point because it has not been good. The Maple Leafs have been awful for long stretches three or four times in this series already, the, and we're at the point where it's 2-2 going into a game five. That, that real stinker, he hasn't had that stinker yet, Freddie Anderson. It could be rearing its ugly head very soon. Let's hope it doesn't in game five. Uh, but I think Freddie's been up to the task. When I think he was the biggest concern coming in, now he doesn't seem to be a concern very much for most of Leaf Nation, excluding you.
0: You know what? I hate to look so far in the future after a great sort of joyous night, but this what this series has done is really kind of hammered home that the Leafs should not be signing re-signing Frederick Anderson after his contract is over. Wow. It really has. Okay. I'm sorry, like I, I, don't want to be like the negative the negative uh, Nancy over here, but like he just the Leafs need a goaltender who's going to be the best goalie in the series, and you just said we have it on tape that he was he's not the, he's not just the second but the third
2: best goalie in this series and splitting hairs though we're talking about three th- three goalies okay I think all of them have played very well
0: I think yes no absolutely but at the same time like he's been he's been elite for what five seasons four seasons now it's four it's four and they've made the playoffs in three I yes this is no this is his fourth he's been elite for five seasons this is this is no he hasn't this is this their fourth. Four.
2: Season. season, yes. every Freddie Anderson season.
0: And this is, this is the fourth, yeah, so this is, this is the fourth uh, Frederick Anderson playoff series. Has he been the best goalie in
2: any of those series? Not yet. He exactly. has the chance Sunday night. He has the chance Sunday night to, to be that, though.
0: That, you this you one, outplay
2: whoever it is in game five, and, and I think we can confidently say that Freddie Anderson was the best goalie in the series.
0: Who do you think it will be on, on Sunday? Like, who do you, who do you think they're going to go with? Because this was, bought, like, I have no idea what I would do if I'm John Tortorella right now. I, just, I have
2: no idea. I, I have no idea either. I I, 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 I like. I don't know enough about what they did in the regular season, but how they, they, they so quickly committed to mm-hmm. Merzlikins after Corpiello was so good, in the first game and for most of the second game, but they had no reason to take out Merzlikins. Now, on the heels of you know four goals in the space of, at least under twenty minutes, whatever it was, probably fifteen or ten, mm-hmm. uh, maybe that's just a natural transition to go back to a goaltender who. You know, uh, as we mentioned, it's pretty much splitting hairs. It's a toss up between those. It's, it's quite the luxury to, ha- to have it if you're them. Um, but it's probably about, you know, Cordarella would have his finger on the pulse of this. It's whoever he believes from a, from a mental standpoint would be, would be the better option. But either way, I think Columbus is going to have a good option. And the Maple Leafs, while we've seen their goal scoring, you know, happen in bunches and then disappear for long stretches as well, like it's got to come in bunches again if they expect to win the series who do you, who who do
0: you got like it like that's it's the it's the million dollar question you know we, we sunday it all comes down to that who do you who do you have uh, exiting this series i don't even
2: know if i want to do this to be honest
0: you got we have to you look you tried to old takes expose. me at eh, old takes expose. old takes well, we have
1: got to, me.
2: okay let's get to my old take expose okay, before we do that which was a complete tr- uh, attempt at a teardown of Kyle Dubas oh, wow. by saying that Okay, here's my tweet. Here's the thing. It's no secret why this team failed. It's simple, has been for some time. They built a bad defense. Not okay, bad. Not enough when fully healthy. Not even close without Jake Muzzin. And without an answer, always for Pierre-Luc Dubois in this series. I, I deleted that Pierre-Luc Dubois was a, was a knife and the Leafs were butter. A hot knife it would have to be for that analogy to work. See, anyway, no, but,
0: but that's an analogy that works. That's a good one
1: okay it should uh, it should have
2: it should have made the internet then. it didn't quite make it a patchwork quilt no thank you yeah (laughs) okay so our two worst moments of the night were my attempt to make a analogy about a hot knife through butter and you talking about quilts I don't even know what that was but um yeah I still I mean I gotta stand by that I don't think they built a good defense I'm worried about the defense for game five I think you should be as a leaf fan be terrified at what could potentially happen because there's a liability out there every shift but Maybe there was a little growth tonight. Maybe there was just that, you know, maybe Morgan Riley at times looks like, has looked like a rock star. At times he's looked, you know, terrible. But maybe it's time for Tyson Berry, Travis Dermott, the guys who haven't been doing the job, to step up. I think maybe they did a little bit at the end of this game. It's got to carry over. If the Leafs are going to win, it's got to carry over, right?
0: I would say so. But like, Travis Dermott, he, had a, he saved the season at one point with that block right in front of Fred. So is Frederick Anderson the fourth best goalie in the series after that block? Who knows? But uh, Morgan
2: Riley had quite the save in Game Three as well. That is true. It's just, Freddie just plummeting on. He's just—it's like Plinko. He's
0: going down down the list there. No, it's—I um, was really really unimpressed with Travis Dermott, Tyson Berry, and Justin Hall specifically tonight, and Martin Marichon. But we're not even going to like get into that because it's—we know, you, know what you
2: expect, yeah.
0: But. Like specifically those three, Justin Hall almost gave the season away in overtime. Like that was, he, he, he's, without Muzzin, that guy looks lost and it, that's rough. Um, good thing Muzzin's extended. Uh, but yeah, I, these, those, it, for the Leafs to go further than this series as well, like you don't even think about this series. They should already, the fact that it got this close is ridiculous in its own right. Like they should, they, they should have swept this series. It's Columbus. And yes, they're an elite penalty killing team and they're good defense. Mentally. the Leafs have the Leafs scored a 33 million dollar OT winner tonight like they like they should they have Austin Matthews John Tavares Mitch Marner Willie Nylander Ely McKeev, Nick Robertson Kerfoot Capitan. the list goes on and on um, they should they they should be outscoring a team like like even like Columbus no problem on your home ice with all the advantages they had no problem so the fact that they even got this this close is a little rough but um if if they are to get past this like we don't know what's going to happen with Muzzin but if they're, if they're to, to make any noise in, in these playoffs, they need those middle six guys to step up. You can't have Morgan Riley playing 40 minutes a night and taking on every matchup and every special teams, which is eventually what's going to happen because there was points in this, in this game where Cody CeCe and Martin Marinchin were a penalty-killing defense pair. And, you know, any Leaf fan watching that is going to, like, is it, going to have heart palpitations. It's crazy. So they, they need some production, those guys. We haven't seen it yet. And the fact that they're able to other way this far with essentially the middle portion of their defense core, giving them nothing of, of, of much value, at least above replacement level, that's got to be a silver lining to all this is that they've managed to kind of limp along without that, like, you know, bottom support. If they get, if, if, if any of those guys, even one of those guys finds another gear, that changes the the composition of this team, the way that this team plays drastically. So I think I think that it's it, I think it's more important for a guy like Tyson Berry to have the game of his life um, on uh, on Sunday night than it is for you know a Mitch Marner or, or someone like that because you know they're, they're going to be fine. But Tyson Berry on his off nights is really rough. If he can if he can turn into a serviceable hockey player, a guy that whoever he looked like right after Keith took over. That, that will change the narrative on his season. That will change the way the Leafs play. It, it, will, it will be such a boost to all parties involved. So he's, in my mind, he's an X factor.
2: I got to tell you, if Mitch Marner has the game of his life, the Leafs are probably going to win because oh, he's had yeah. some pretty good game, games in history. Uh, okay, before I get kicked out of here, we got to do the predictions. You, you teased it. It's got to happen, I suppose. I mean, this is too perfect, I believe, for the Leafs to not use this as, you know, we've exercised the demons. We've done this. We've done that. Uh, they've gotten to this point. They've done something they've, you know, they've, I guess they've probably done in their history before, but we're not going all the way back then. They haven't done this in their history, this current team's history, this iteration of the Maple Leafs. have never done anything quite like this. So I say that they use that as a platform to win game five and move on and, and play one of the uh, heavy hitters up in the, in the Eastern Conference. I won't give you a score. I won't give you a hero. But Freddie Anderson been pretty good.
0: Okay. Well, what a surprise. You think Fred Anderson's going to be great. That's, wow. you really, you're really. Okay, quick, I'm
2: going to, I'm going to get okay. picked out. Let's go. Uh, I quick think the prediction Leafs, and then we'll think, go to the other half. We can continue.
0: Uh, Leafs. I think the Leafs are going to win. I think this is the perfect time to, like you said, sl- you know, slay the dragon to, to you know, exercise the curse. It, the fact that there's a three nothing lead. I want to see them use this, use another team's pain to their advantage opposed to being the butt of the joke. So I think, I think the Leafs are, are going to pull it out and I can't wait to get old takes exposed when it's wrong.
2: It's time, and it's time for us to take a break. We'll see you on the other half of the podcast, and that's it for YouTube. Hey, YouTube, that was fun. All right, we've relocated. Today. I have no one looking at me, and then looking at their watch, and then looking at me, and then looking back at their watch. So I'm safe in the confines of my own home. That you know, like of. Stevens. Yeah, I mean, someone might come, you know, barging mm-hmm. in and looking at their watch. I wouldn't be surprised at this point. Two things I want to get to before we move on to the rest of the games and what was a six elimination game Friday in the NHL. Unprecedented. Very fun. Crazy. Incredible. Uh, It is kind of, it was an amazing game, obviously, but it is kind of a little disappointing that that game happened with no fans in the stands.
1: Hold up. What was that?
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. See, I'm, I'm, I'm mixed on this because I wonder if the team, I wonder if the Leafs actually would have come back if half the fans had left and the other half were booing.
2: Wow. I didn't think about that. You actually see people leaving and -hmm. then you'd have stories about, you know, like Mark Wahlberg. I think he left that Super Bowl that, Twenty-eight yeah. to three, didn't he? he so did. you'd have like Mike Myers would be leaving, you know, yeah. his run see that the
0: Scotia Bankery.
2: No, Will Arnett would stay, I think. Justin Bieber was fan.
0: losing his mind in front of his TV. He posted an Instagram story. Did he?
2: So Bieber would yeah. have went down with the ship. I mean, he would have had to like you know console Matthews after because he's coming in for a hug either way. Yeah.
0: No, it's yeah,
2: it it
0: it's unreal. No, I I, I honestly think because this is this is like the Leafs are very um like. I would say they, they let the crowd kind of dictate them a bit. Like they get, you know, you can tell. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. They're very, they're very in tune on, you know, the, the, the pizzazz and the showmanship of, of the crowd. And I think that with the, when the air is sucked out of the building, like they, they feel it. I think after that three, nothing goal, as the, as the clock was ticking down the fact that like they, they would have been completely, you know, distracted or, or kind of deflated and, the fact that there were no fans in the building and, and they could just kind of focus on the game, I think, that was, I think that was an advantage. I think that really helped them.
2: Yeah, I think you make a good point. I mean, the booze after the Riley giveaway for the third goal would have been pretty bad. And you're right, this team is, this is a team that is influenced by things. They are mm-hmm. definitely influenced by what's going on, what their opponent does. Probably what the crowd is doing, like just small things like Mitch Murner making a nice defensive play and all of a sudden being that same offensive player for mm-hmm. a brief time period. Uh, I, I, think you're, I think you're dead on. Uh, and the last thing we have to mention from this mm-hmm. game is that epic missed net from Cody CC. Unbelievable. <laughs> that was unbelievable. It was like he was trying to find a defenseman to bank it off of. That, that, was, the, that was the most wide I've seen a legitimate scoring chance. Yeah. Maybe ever. That was – complete. there would have been another net to the side of that net, and it would have missed that net.
0: Yeah. <laughs> No, you're right. You know when they you know when they, they say he missed the net by a country mile? I now know what a country mile is because it's however far Cody CC missed the net and then add some. Like it was gonna be
2: showing they're gonna be showing that in schools for the next, you know, twenty five years. This is what? a country mile.
0: The word like the thing was he was trying to hit the net. Like he was try like it, it wasn't he wasn't It was a to
2: legitimately touch. good chance that he just it was unbelievable. It was, it did, was crazy.
0: And he scored a short handed goal in game two.
2: Or, yes, game no game three. Game three, game three. This is yeah. this was game four. Yes, in game three. It's uh, again. I mean, that was going wide as well, and that probably would have turned into a scoring chance the other way if it didn't hit Seth Jones. Uh, very fortunate, game of CC. Very very fortunate. Okay, so mm-hmm. five other games. One of them is ongoing, so we can't really talk too much about. And it's a, it's a Vancouver and Minnesota. It's four three right now over my shoulder here. Twelve minutes left, so mm-hmm. we won't go too deep into that one. Uh, Where do you want to start? Probably start with the Canadian team. Those are the two more interesting ones. It kind of went in order of interest, if that makes sense. Like New York and Florida was the matinee, the neuter game. It was, you know, feel like exactly what was going to happen was going to happen. So we'll we'll start at the back end. Edmonton, Chicago. Obviously, this one overlapped with Toronto, so we didn't see too much of it. But the commentary for the Oilers, the online commentary, the Twitter reaction was pretty telling. Uh, It seems that... It seems that Edmonton didn't exactly put its best foot forward in this series.
0: Did you see the, the gif of
2: McDavid after they got eliminated? I didn't. Oh, sad yeah. McDavid makes me sad, so I can't bring I oh, myself to that. This is an
0: all-timer. This is an all-time sad McDavid.
2: It looks like Sadder, sadder than draft lottery night? Oh, yeah.
0: Like, his life, you know, he re, it was, it's sadder than when he realized his life was over on national television. Like, it was, it was brutal. This was like I wrote a column about about the uh, the Oilers this week for Yahoo Sports um, that was essentially just like three things that aren't that are you know wrong with the Oilers that aren't McDavid's attitude because that was the worst hockey take I have ever read I guess because I didn't hear it and mm-hmm. what's funny is that for anyone to ever blame Connor McDavid for anything on the Oilers is just so outlandishly ridiculous like. The Oilers are a team. Everyone talks about how like the Leafs are in cap hell overpaid players. The Oilers are a team outside of McDavid and Dreisaitl made up of entirely third and fourth liners being paid like, you know, lower end stud liners. Like Zach, the fact that Zach Cassian got an extension this year, I think it's what for 3.2 million or something that'll pay him until he's like 34. It, 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 it's ridiculous. Like it, McDavid's, McDavid's second most common line made in the playoffs was Josh Archibald. Like it's, I, I don't understand what they're doing. I just don't like the Oilers have the same problems over and over and over again. And they never fix them. It's it. They are like the Leafs in that, like they have these same problems. They have superstars, except the, the Oilers superstars are better than the Leafs superstars. It should be easier for them to surround them with even half decent players. Anyone who can just stand in front of the net, and absorb a rebound like hungry, hungry hippos and fire at home. But they don't. Somehow it is the, the uh, eternal quest to find a winger that can freaking score to put next to this generational po- – who, who, this, this talent who could possibly be the best player who has ever played this game. And now again, we, now again, it has robbed the hockey world of watching Connor McDavid in the playoffs. It, it's – yeah, I, I – it's, it's not even that, like – It transcends kind of like analysis with the Oilers. And it's just like, I'm just disappointed in them. I'm not an Oilers fan. I don't care. But it's bad for the sport when your marquee star is out and the Oilers just keep dropping the ball and holding Connor McDavid back and wasting years of his prime.
2: Well, you're speaking to a former Oilers fan Mm -hmm. who sort of gave up on that a long time ago because it's just not worth it, even before they got Connor McDavid. You're right. It's just disappointing. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even care. Care about the Oilers doing well. I want to see Connor McDavid involved in, in special moments and he can't even get to the playoffs. Nope. Like this, th- this wasn't supposed to be their year. This was supposed to be a transition <laughs> year under Ken Holland. Just dropped my phone. That mad. Um, but they uh, over they exceeded expectations, right? Mm-hmm. They had a little thing going. Leon Dreisaitl is a legitimate top 10 player in the league. Like he's grown into that after scoring 50 goals last year, he is even better than that player was, even though he didn't maybe show it in this playoffs, at least from start to finish. And they've made, they've made some progress, like getting guys like Ethan bear. They have found some players that are going to be solid contributors for them, but they just can't put it all together. They cannot support McDavid with what was a, a, a sufficiently enough, even though they've had some surprise additions. So it's like, they were working with nothing because they've had a, a, you know, a collection of players that have supported him in a, in a, in a reasonable amount to get, you know, to a fifth seed in the Western conference and it's still not enough. So when is it ever going to be enough? Oh, wow. uh, I'm just, I, I was, I think there was reason to be positive as someone who was, uh you know, watches the Oilers and Oilers fans, people that want Connor McDavid to do well. But now I think you're second guessing that after They were robbed of the chance to be legitimately in the postseason. I think they should have been that fourth seed. I mean, they they took three from the Central. They took one from the Pacific Division. I don't think that was fair. I don't think it was fair that they had to play the Chicago Blackhawks. But the Chicago Blackhawks were the worst matchup for them. They always play them tough. But they're just as talented up front. They've got more talent. They have more talented players. The Oilers have more talent, probably. But the Mm. Chicago Blackhawks have more talented players. They have three lines of guys who can actually put the puck in the net. The Oilers have two. Two guys. Chicago,
0: but the Chicago Blackhawks were 12 seed for a reason. Like they, they were, they're the tw- what? They were the 24th ranked team. Like they shouldn't have been there. This was, this was talk about a transition year. Like this was supposed to be a year where the Blackhawks. Like I don't think they were supposed to contend this year. Like they, have, they have a, they have a young team. They've, they have a bunch of young kind of unproven guy, and yet here they are knocking off a team like the Edmonton Oilers with two like. I don't want to call Leon Draisaitl generational, but they have a generational superstar, and then another, like you said, top ten player. But what really, what really boggled my mind is how the series started, and it was this: it was Dave Tippett for some reason going with Mike Smith in net to start it off. The next person, like the next person to call Mike Smith an elite puck handling goaltender, needs to get their NHL credentials revoked. Like they, they, they shouldn't be allowed to. To comment on this because anywhere because it's it's clear they haven't watched the sport or at least him play since 2012 he's just not that and five goals on 23 shots in, in the opening game that sets a very dangerous like precedent for the rest of the series and it puts you in a hole when you didn't need to be in one Nico koskin you've committed long term to him. he's the younger guy he's played well this year what was the point of giving him that random contract extension in the middle of his age what 31 rookie season and when to start off the playoffs you play an aging vet who you know has puck handling issues and it, despite the fact that he thinks he's like you know Ray Bork out there it does it, it just again a lot of the what the Oilers boils down to is that it just doesn't make sense like what they do it defies logic and they have their own way of thinking there's something in the water in Edmonton because I guarantee you we're going to wake up tomorrow and you know, there's going to be a couple articles from, from prominent people there being like, oh, why this is either Connor McDavid's fault or why, you know, this is actually good for the Oilers. And it's just, I don't even know where to start with them.
2: And, of course, they have a chance at Alexi Lafreniere, which would be pretty criminal at this point. The, the NHL for, can't let that happen. Even for a former Oilers fan, that would be pretty criminal. Um, speaking of 12 seeds, there was mm-hmm. a, another one advancing. Montreal Canadiens moved past the Pittsburgh Penguins who looked – Oddly, pedestrian, disappointing, unenthusiastic, just pretty blah. Pittsburgh Penguins have been, you know, reduced to blah. Uh, yeah. they, they had absolutely nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. It was, I, I was starting to hate myself because I watched the Montreal Canadiens beat the Penguins before the Leafs were getting embarrassed in their game. So I watched the back-to-back at Scotiabank Arena today. And I'm watching Ben Sherratt, Shea Weber, and Jeff Petrie. And I'm thinking, I mean, they, they, they are building a wall in front of the Pittsburgh Penguins and not letting them get to Carey Price. It wasn't Carey Price who stole this series. It was the fact that they couldn't get any meaningful offense at him because they couldn't get through. Mm-hmm. Those three defensemen from Montreal were brilliant. And I'm looking at the Leafs and I'm thinking, they don't have one of these guys. Morgan Riley doesn't even look like these guys right now. Ben Sherrod, like, he just looks like a nightmare to play against. Mm-hmm. And he's the third best defenseman on that team. If, probably not even the third best defenseman. But he's been, he was playing it in that game. Like, they just they, – they found a way to shut down what is one of the greatest offenses in this generation that we've seen with mm-hmm. Sidney Crosby at the one hole and Evgeny Malkin right behind him and just a collection of small, smart, talented wingers. Uh, that are, you know, that are sort of interchangeable, but just always work for the Penguins. And they couldn't do anything against this Montreal team who all of a sudden, after being embarrassed in that exhibition game versus the Leafs, were organized to a degree in which they could shut down a team that was, you know, it's just exiting its little mini dynasty. It's two in a row. Uh, It was remarkable to see the Canadians do what they did from a team defense standpoint, led by those three defensemen, and obviously their goaltender, Carey Price, who doesn't look like he is the guy who's fading into oblivion just yet.
0: Here's the crazy thing about that, too, is that the, like the Penguins were beat up. They had a ton of injuries before the pandemic hit, so they bought at the deadline to make up for those injuries. Like They, they, you know, they, they brought in Patrick Marleau. They brought in Jason Zucker. You know, they, they added these players, and the pandemic hit, and people had time off. And then they came back and then they had the, they had a roster that not only was healthy, but also, but had the, but had the healthy players back and also the deadline additions that were supposed to substitute for the healthy players. So they were supposed to be like at top, top strength here, at least in their eyes. And they went out and they got beat by a team that, you know, that like you said, got embarrassed in in the, the exhibition games and you know, again, likely shouldn't have been here. And, like, you want to make the comparison with, with, uh, with the Leafs. Like, Morgan Riley is just not – not, he's not the same kind of player – that a Shea Weber, even a, you know, like Ben Chrelly, like those are those are different physical kind of specimens. Whereas Morgan Riley is much more of like finesse. But no, you're right. There we're learning now that there is there is a benefit to that type of player. And
2: he's he's Jeff Petrie though. Just to interrupt. Yes. Uh, he is Jeff Petrie, and Jeff Petrie has outperformed Morgan Riley in in this play-in so far. Mm-hmm. Jeff Petrie has been unbelievable. Uh, I think oh, I think he's. I think he's definitely just an underrated player generally, uh, but he was just absolutely spectacular. But you're right. It's about finding that if Shea if Weber is Jake Muzzin in comparison to what they mean to you, they have a mini Muzzin. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking to the Leafs, well, the Leafs need a mini Muzzin right now because yeah. they're without Jake Muzzin and they're suffering for it.
0: The Leafs need a right-handed defenseman, just flat out. But yeah, yeah no, it's like kudos to Montreal. They, they've always been a, a, a fast, hungry team. Um, outside of of a couple players, and look in, in in a in a playoff series like this, where there's no where there's kind of no runway, where you kind of have to, where you know some skill and, and speed might help you um, with with just how tight everything is. We've we've seen now that that it worked, and credit man, credit to Shea Weber too. Like he was, there was a report this year that his his career was basically over because of injury, and then he was in the lineup like. Two nights later, this guy has has dodged more bullets when it comes to his career than friggin' Neo in the Matrix. Like it's it's incredible. So, and that's a movie reference, so you wouldn't get that. But, um, (laughs) but it's 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 remarkable. He's like, like, kudos to him. I I really do kind of respect the way that that Claude Julian has put that made that team prepared. Like you said, they don't wilt them. Um, they're kind of playing with house money right now, and I think they know it. I think they like. I think they know and and. This it also goes to show, like don't don't get too cocky because the the big quote going around on Twitter before this series was um, can't remember who exact I think it was like Dominic some was it Dominic like Simone or something it was one of those players on Pittsburgh who like didn't even know who was on Montreal's first line and now they're like Zach
2: Aston-Reese I think
0: Zach Aston-Reese okay and now well Zach Aston-Reese is going golfing now and Montreal's still playing so it just it goes to show but this was far and away the most shocking. I'd say result.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I I was not, I'm not at all surprised that the Oilers lost. I I think this was definitely shocking. Uh, Even though after watching game three, it seemed like Montreal was sort of on level footing. It looked like they could definitely do it after that game because Pittsburgh just didn't have much of the sting that you expect from those teams. Uh, They just didn't show it in the series at all. They dominated game one, but they weren't really good for the rest of the way. Um, I guess we can move on to the next game Mm -hmm. here. I mean, I I guess I was going to say one more thing. Like, just I mentioned that Carey Price is, you know, people have been writing him off, and obviously the the money probably won't ever work. But I do want to see him play meaningful games as well. Mm -hmm. He's sort of in that Connor McDavid uh, category for me, where it's this this is one of. This is one of the most. He was one of the most dominant players at his position that we've seen in recent years, mm-hmm. in you know our life our lifetimes. Uh, he had an amazing year, and I want to see him actually have that that chance to to get back there. I don't think this is the team. It's probably quite a carrot for Tampa and Philly, who are going to have the chance, I believe, to play each other and 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 get the matchup against the 12 seed. That would be very nice for them. Uh, that could bite me in the ass one day when it comes back. But I just feel like. Uh, yeah, if you're Tampa Bay, go out and get that because uh, I think you'd match up quite well against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, two other series, mm-hmm. one in each conference. Uh, I'm going to be honest, not watching too many of these games, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Nashville, it just seemed like, was dominating Arizona but could not break through Darcy Kemper. Uh, and it's just the same old story with them. They just don't have quite enough offense to have success in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And the goaltending, it's, sometimes it's great, sometimes it isn't great. And I don't it think is, it was great yeah. for UC Saros uh, in really the light,
0: series. Man. It really yeah. is. Like, the thing is, the thing is, too, it seems like with, with Nashville's goalies, because they're very similar in, in, in Soros and, uh, and Rene, like, they will have – they don't have good and bad stretches. They have good and bad seasons. Like, mm-hmm. it has been brought up before. Like, Pecorine will be a Vesna nominee one year, and then, like, an 893 the next year. Like, it just – it doesn't make sense. And, yeah. Did, you were, the
2: Vesna, did he win the Vesna last year or the year before? Uh, I don't know. He, he got, he, it must've been two years ago. It must've been two years ago. Yeah.
0: I, you know what? Uh, it's one twenty-five AM. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. Oh, okay. You keep going. Not if I, not if I figured it out before you, um, no, oh, I, that's how
2: you, that's how you podcast. You both look up something. At the, <laughs> the same, same time. thing. Well, yeah.
0: well, what's funny is I just Googled Pecorine and under people also ask, um, the questions are the first two questions are what happened to Pecorine and is Pecorine retiring? So that's, not good.
2: Vasilevsky, of course, won yes. last year. That historically great season. But Go on.
0: No, yeah, it's, it, you're right. It, they don't have enough offense. It, every year, it was like, oh, yeah, Nashville needs to sign, you know, like a Matt Duchesne type, like a guy who can just be like a good, solid center, chip in some, some points, whatever. And they went out and signed Matt, du- a Matt Duchesne type and Matt Duchesne. And look where they are. They, don't, they didn't even make the playoffs. Their coach got fired. Like, people forget that that their coach got fired middle of the year. And I don't know, maybe John Hines wasn't the best choice for that. Like it's, this is a team that has a lot of talent. They have a a great defense with great contracts on their books. And yet they just somehow don't, aren't able to kind of put it together. And they should have been able to beat Arizona. But now we get to see Taylor Hall in the playoffs. So kudos to him. Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel in the playoffs. Kudos to that. I'm all for that, you know, no matter who, it's kind of coming at at the expense of. So, yeah, all for it.
2: Is it Vegas and Colorado with the top two seeds out West? I believe so, yeah. I mean, those are going to be some serious mismatches with Colorado and Vegas uh, against – well, Chicago. I, I think Chicago is always going to be game. I think they can play up to their competition to a certain extent, but probably will be, and they will be outmatched mm-hmm. if we're being honest with ourselves. But uh, I wouldn't mind getting Arizona if I'm either Vegas or or Colorado. I think Colorado's already sewn up the top seed, but
0: Colorado is a too. monster too.
2: Colorado, yeah, I like, think they're my cup
0: pick. Like it's I th- crazy.
2: I feel like the matches at West are going to be a lot more lopsided from, you know, the elite four teams that got through versus the ones that are going to go through in the, uh, mm-hmm. in the Eastern conference. I think the, the matchups are going to be better. Like Carolina is going to Carolina's an absolute handful and the New York Islanders who we're going to finish off with. Although Vancouver has tied it up. We'll probably, we might get to the end of the game if we talk long enough. We okay. probably shouldn't try and do that, but um, well, we won't cause it's tied and going to go in overtime. Yeah. Um, but the islanders they just did islander things. I mean, I think Florida was I don't know if they're the worst team in this tournament.
0: They are the worst. They
2: might have they might have performed like it. And that's and the another worst goalie. That's another uh indictment on the Leafs is the fact that they were, you know, neck and neck with the Florida Panthers this year who just you know, they didn't look at all like a team that should be involved in the postseason in this. I know the Islanders kind of do that to the teams. They just kind of for them today. They take the fun out of it a little bit. They kind of grind mm-hmm. you down. But you know what they also showed in this series? They got some pretty good young talent that Anthony Beauvillier showed some showed some uh, some of his offensive flair in this series. Obviously, Matt Barzell is Matt Barzell. But they got a little bit there. I think they're going to be a problem for the team that they match up against just because they're going to be a little bit annoying. I mean, they mm-hmm. swept the Penguins last year. We see that the Penguins are a little bit uh, not as, as they were before. But I think uh, the Islanders could be a bit of a handful for whoever they match up against because they've been playing playoff hockey too. And the team that they're going to play against hasn't been, but yeah, Florida. Yeah. I could, I could kind of wash my hands of that and just hope without saying it that they don't get Lafreniere. Although I guess. I just. Oh said my it. gosh. Yeah. I don't,
0: I just, that didn't even cross my mind that Florida because that's how little we think about it. And Dale Talon, he's gone now. They, they, uh, you know the team's parting ways with him, and yet, unfortunately, I don't think they can part ways with the goaltender that Talon signed to a, you know, ten million a year call uh, contract. Like it's like Sergey Bobrovsky was horrible. He's horrible. This he was horrible this whole series and uh, season, and he was horrible this series. And they, you just can't win when you have what is it like an eighth of the of the cap tied up in a, in an aging goaltender who's not performing up to up to not even just like his those lofty standards because if you're making 10 millions a gold, you better be like a Vesna nominee every year and yet he's barely he, he I don't even think he cracked 900 in save percentage so that's like it I'm, I'm surprised they didn't get rid of Dale Talon sooner like it like with how he handled the expansion draft he basically set up Vegas for success almost single-handedly and and, and then pretty much every signing he's made just didn't work so yeah it's that, that's a series where, yeah, I didn't watch a lot of it, but it, there's a reason why. It, I'm not watching Florida Panthers
2: hockey. No, but Rob like uh, Pekka Rennie and UC Saros, as you mentioned, he does have those on-years, off-years. Uh, he has two Vesna trophies, and he's got probably two, three, four awful seasons as well. Mm-hmm. So he's able to sort of – maybe he can't do it again, but he's been able to turn the switch uh, in previous years. So maybe he's able to do that in seasons to come for Florida, but that looks like one of the worst investments that we've seen in some time oh, yeah. by a hockey team. So uh, that takes us around the tour right now. It's four, four. It is going to overtime. So we can't really, mm-hmm. uh, the Vancouver Canucks Canucks might have advanced by the time that this podcast is out. Uh, but that's been a hard nosed entertaining, fast paced series. Uh, I think Minnesota exceeded my expectations with that regard. Uh, but I always expected Vancouver to go through, but I think Vancouver is going to be one of the teams to watch. They're going to be a lot of fun. Vancouver and Calgary, those are Canadian teams to merge out West. If that is indeed the case, uh, they're going to be, maybe they're not going to, you know, challenge those elite teams. Maybe, I mean, they will challenge it, but maybe they won't be able to get by. Uh, but I think they're going to be pretty good, te- pretty good tests for those teams because they are, uh, they're legitimate both. Of them. And they hate each other.
0: And that's like that they they generally dislike. It's great to see the animosity between them. That's what the playoffs are all about. You love when there's a little bit of hate thrown in there. And like I was watching a bit of the game while you were uh, while while you were getting kicked out of the rink. And man, the, these two teams they they really they're they're not buds. Like there there's gonna be some Nicky Nicky Nine doors going on in, in the in the hotel bubble tonight. So. It's uh, yeah, it, it, it's great. it's great to see that hate back. It just adds so much more intensity to, to the game. It's,
2: it's fantastic. That one deserved a seven-game series, and I think the Leafs mm-hmm. and Jackets could have deserved and used a seven-game series. Uh, it's possible, well, I guess they wouldn't have met under normal circumstances because they were fighting for that eighth, eighth seed uh, in March, way back in March, when things were normal and we weren't playing hockey in a bubble. But we are now, and we're going to a game five, with the Maple Leafs and Blue Jackets Sunday night. It'll probably be the last game of the entire qualification round. It's Unless... possible that – it's possible Vancouver and Minnesota will be there as well, and they'll be after mm-hmm. the Leafs. Uh, but it will be an APM p.m. start on Sunday. It's going to be an incredibly interesting game. Whatever happens, it's going to be noteworthy. We will be back. It won't just be me because it's just not as entertaining. It's not <laughs> even close. So it'll be both of us back, and it'll be – we'll either break down, you know, who the Leafs are going to play next as they move on to the next round and stay in the bubble and not call an Uber and just, you know, go five minutes down the street, either north, south, east, or west. Those are the directions. Uh, Those are the directions that we use as a society. society. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I got to that before the end of the podcast but we will get to more important things mm-hmm. on Sunday because it is the biggest game of the leaf season it might be the biggest game in the lives of many of these leaf players who have who need to show up for the big game because they have not in the last two years at least against the Boston Bruins. so uh, big things Sunday night it's going to be very fun and I cannot wait Mike, got any final words?
0: Just buckle up, guys. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun show. And uh, other than that, I guess I just gotta say uh,
2: bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.